0: Yes, you can be seated. Thank you, Sarah. Um, There's something really special about just being led in worship by someone who had to entrust something to God. So thank you for leading us this morning, guys. Um, There was something different and special because of the way you led. I appreciate that. Thank you. I'm not going to give you a greeting time, but I am going to give you enough time for parents to go get activity bins, and anyone who didn't get a handout to get handouts from the back. It looks like Sheila might even hand those out. I'm going to play a video from Hope Mission, and then Scott Barclay is here. He's their manager, and he's going to come up and give us just an update on their programs and what's been going on with Hope Mission. So if you need to shuffle around, please feel free. Parents, get activity bins for your kids, get your handouts, and then we will continue on our service here. That is high praise from someone who lives in this neighborhood. Um, without them, I'd feel like I was walking through life alone. Scott, would you come up? Scott represents this organization. He's uh, been the manager here now in Red Deer with the Hope Mission program for how many years now? Three years. Just about
1: three years now. Okay. Yeah, just as COVID started, I, uh, I took over and then fortunately I had to fire a few people.
0: Well, Scott's going to give us some updates on what's been going on with Hope Mission. He's not going to talk about the partnership. Okay. The, the joint venture he's here to share about what's going on in the programs that they are running, just to give you more of a sense of what's been happening here in the neighborhood lately. Um, As far as the, the joint venture goes, it's just lawyers talking right now. And Kevin Bender is our liaison between lawyers. um, So we won't have updates until we have Kevin back, um, but we will hopefully be sharing those in a couple of weeks. But Scott's here to talk about what they've been up to here on the ground. And so Scott, please take it away.
1: Yeah, thanks, Ben. Yeah, it's nice to join you guys. See a few familiar faces in the audience. So it's nice to be with you guys today. Um, a little bit about myself. Um, I grew up here in Red You're Actually, the, my childhood home is just a few blocks away from here. So it's nice to be back on our stomping grounds. Um, but yeah, I went to Gateway growing up. Um, my family was kind of floating in and out of churches. We've been to many of the churches in town here. I've had many different pastors. Um, and we didn't find a place to stay for very long. Um, and that was just the nature of, of church growing up to me. It wasn't something that I was able to fully jump into. It was something that my parents just dragged us to every once in a while. Um, but in middle school, I decided that hey, it would be kind of fun if I go checked out this youth group that I've been hearing a lot about in town. And sure enough, I had a blast and and started going more regularly and ended up committing my life to the Lord there. Um, And that's really what changed my life, the trajectory of of where I was headed. Um, And soon after getting saved, I really jumped into kids and youth ministry at that church and in the community. And um, yeah, I think I've been doing kids and youth ministry for about 10 years now. Um, And five of those years have been with Hope Mission. So soon after high school, I did a uh, young adult discipleship program at our church where we just dove deep into what God was teaching us and let him lead us in, in who we are created to be in our identities and who he's formed us to be. And and through that program, a part of it was volunteering at Hope Mission. And thankfully, I I joined in one day, and I fell in love with the program. I fell in love with the kids, the stories that they shared with me, and just the the heartache that they had, yet the joy that they had through it. So I fell in love with the program, and I quickly asked to volunteer a couple days a week and continued that for a year. And I was planning on continuing to volunteer. like I had no idea that uh, God was taking me on a completely new journey. And so quickly after, after that year, I was offered a, a summer position and I took that and worked casually through, through college. I studied social work at Regia College here. And then um, just as I was finishing that program, January 2020. Um, Is when I was offered the manager position and I haven't looked back since. I really enjoy my job. Getting to see the kids and the families that we saw in that video is the highlight of our day. Uh, And it is a huge blessing to be the hands and feet of Jesus in in such an amazing community like this one. So I'm going to share again a little bit about what's going on locally. a few stories just to just to share what the lord has been doing share some testimonies of what the kids have been going through and and how god has been leading them out of that uh, as well as a little bit of where we're going Again, locally through our programs. So currently, um, now coming out of COVID, it's been a little bit different. But we're running our Kids in Action programs in a few schools again, which has been a huge, huge answer to prayer. Um, so we're going to be in two different schools right now. Uh, we're at Normando and Fairview currently. We were just at Normando and Glendale um, at our time with Glendale. And kids in action ended, and now we're in Fairview, um, which is a very unique school. Um, But we have about 20, 25 kids in each of those programs. And then we have two programs as well where kids come to our office at New Life Fellowship Church. um, Again, with, well, we have a youth program, which is about 10, 15 kids, then a kids program, which is about 25 kiddos there too. So we have four days running of after school care programs. And when the kids come to us, we really like that because we can talk about Jesus. Uh, we can't talk about Jesus super openly in the schools, but we believe that our actions, our words, and our deeds show the love of Jesus, even though we're not saying. Um, we also have a really fun program that's been running since September. The Lord put it strongly on our heart to meet a lot of the needs of the community through food. And that's what Hope Mission is all about, is we, we try to serve, strengthen, and uplift through food. And so we started this breakfast program, um, not expecting a terrible amount from it, uh, but at Normando and Glendale, we have staff going to each of those schools every morning, serving about 20 meals to the students and hanging out with them just, hey, how was your day yesterday? How was your weekend? How can I be you know, supporting you today? What's going on in your life right now? And in those 15, 20, 30 minutes of breakfast, a lot comes out from conversations when it's 30 minutes of intentional connection time every day of the week. That they're at school, it we're showing, or it's we're seeing that, that the Lord is doing something with it. That a lot of the kids are starting to change. Um, and I'll share a couple stories about that in a minute here. Um, we're going to be, well, we just started at Fairview as well, dropping off um breakfast supplies. There. So we don't have staff there handing it out, but at least we're feeding those kiddos. Um, we're also doing a lot of frozen meals. So we're cooking our, our meals at our office now or our kitchen at, at New Life. And we're handing out 110 meals to 16 schools across the city, um, feeding kids and families in need. So it's you know a metal tray of lasagna, and it'll feed. You know, we're hoping six people um, for an evening, or if they can space it out for a weekend. So we we do that, um, and all of these all of these programs are done with the heart of of God loves you, but also we love you. Your community is is in your corner. We've got your back, and so yeah. Now going to some stories. Um, I'm just so excited about our breakfast program because it's really taken off here. But we had one youth individually. Um, he is an interesting character, um, uses some very colourful language and comes in with a lot of burdens. But we love him. Um, and he, he started off you know, a bit rocky, he would steal juice boxes, put them in his backpacks, um, and then take those juice boxes and give them to his friends during the day. And so he labeled himself the juice box dealer. And that was his, that was his gig, is he was handing out juice boxes from Hope Mission to other students. And we, we don't really care that much, but it's just the motivation behind it, right? So we saw this and we um, really wanted to support him and to show him um, that there are better choices that he can make. And so instead of um, watching him or, you know, watching this go on, we decided to take him under our wing and, and the staff that's at this school is now letting him, His job every morning is to hand out one juice box to every kid and make sure that every kid only gets one. And so the whole term of juice box dealer has a whole new swing to it. But um, he's a really good kid, and he is coming into our breakfast program with joy, with excitement. He wants to be there. Um, We've been able to give him unique little rewards, just like a bag of chips, like, hey, we we appreciate you, little things like that to encourage him. And now he's actually just signed up for our after-school program. So we're excited to actually be able to talk. To him about God there too. Um, we have a few a few other stories, but one of the most significant stories that we've had come through in the last few months um, is another youth boy, who was attending our after-school programs at Normando again um, for a couple of years, and we had known him from probably grade three or grade four when we came to Red Deer until COVID hit and he wasn't in our programs anymore. Um, but now he's in high school. And we'd heard from another youth pastor in one of our partner churches in Red Deer that um, they, they approached us and they said, hey, there's this kid uh, that keeps talking about Hope Mission. Like, do you know him? And like, oh, yeah, we, we remember him. Like, what, what is he doing at your youth group? He wouldn't expect it. His dad is an alcoholic. His mom is working multiple jobs and barely able to afford, you know, the basic needs. What is, you we just wouldn't expect it from this kid. So anyways, we we're thrilled that he's there. And this youth pastor goes on to say that, oh yeah, this kid was invited by a friend and he's been attending and, and now he's he's committed his life to the Lord and he's actually now inviting other peers from high school to come to this same youth group with him. And his younger brothers are still back in our programs now and, and we know his parents well and we're working with them as much as we can. But man, what a testimony of the Lord using Hope Mission, par- partnered church and making a bridge. Um, for these kids to know who Jesus is. Um, yeah, I think a lot of these kids obviously are going through a lot right now and, and it's visible on them. You can see them, the burdens that they carry, the weight that they carry and just the, the sadness that is on a lot of them. Um, but we've heard a couple times actually just in the last couple of weeks where um, these kids come in and they will be okay up until they hit our door and as soon as they come through our door, then the emotions start to show. We had a girl this week and her older sister come in, and they came in a little bit late, but I was waiting for them by the front door, and then they, they immediately just started bawling. And I didn't know what was going on, but apparently mom had been sleeping through some doctor's appointments that they were supposed to take the kids to that they desperately need, um, and the police showed up later that day, so it was a very traumatic and emotional day. But it was just very overwhelming for me to see, like, this whole Mission, this community that they're a part of is is where they feel safe enough to show their emotions and and to ask for help. And again, it's a blessing and an opportunity to show them that, that we love them and that God loves them. And so hopefully that's encouraging. Um, We have some really exciting stuff coming up for our programs. Uh, With our breakfast program, mainly we're seeing it really explode. So currently we were doing about 200 meals a week um, between three schools, but we just got connected to St. Teresa right beside Glendale and St. Patrick's, which is by the Dock Community Centre. And between those two schools, they're needing 300 more meals every day. And so we're going to jump into that and start that at the beginning of March. and and serve those students breakfast every day. We're gonna drop off food a couple times a week so that the kids can have healthy meals, healthy snacks to start their day so that they're ready to learn effectively and properly. Um, And we're also seeing through those schools an increase for our frozen meals. So our frozen meals are currently at 110. They're probably gonna jump up to 150 is my guess. Um, based on the conversations with the principals. So we're really, really excited for these new opportunities because Hope Mission hasn't been, we haven't been in any Catholic schools in Red Deer until this point, um, as for a variety of reasons. But right now we just see such an open door to serve these schools through food, to reach the students and their families through food. Um, And so, yeah, I think with that in mind, I would just appreciate your guys' prayers for me and my team. Um, as we continue to to sense what the Lord wants us to do, to follow his leadership, um, to serve, strengthen, and uplift our community. Um, And we're also looking for volunteers. So if you guys are wanting to volunteer, mainly for our breakfast program is where we need some hands. If you want to hop in at Normando or at Glendale um, from, you know, 7.30 till 8-ish, just hop, let us know. We'll get the forms signed, and then all you can do is just show up. That's all you need to do. Um, It's really simple, but again, remaining connected to these students for a little bit of time every day or every week over years is what we're hoping to see the kids like this gentleman who's now at another youth group and inviting other friends. That's the hope. And that's the dream of, of seeing these kids experience God in new and unique ways through, through just simple ways of have a sandwich. Can I play a game with you? What's going on in your day? Those simple things add up over a long period of time. So anyways, that's what's going on at Hope Mission. We appreciate you guys and your support, and we're excited for where our partnership is going in the future. And um, yeah, we know that the Lord's hand is on it, and and we'll all be blessed as a result, and the community will be blessed as a result too. So thanks, Ben.
0: Yes, please. Thanks, Scott. Yeah, would you just join me in prayer? Um, But yeah, Scott reached out to say, hey, can I just come and share some updates with your church, Um, just to share some stories and just remind you of here's what we're doing. Here's what God is doing. So let's pray for, for Hope Mission. Lord, I thank you so much for the ways that you, you work um, in different people's lives at, at different points, uh, whether it's it's sharing a meal and opening up a conversation or whether it's the, the relationship that develops over years and then at the, the point of need, you step in and say, I'm here through your people. And Lord, I, I thank you that you are doing that through Hope Mission, that you're doing it in this neighborhood and in the surrounding schools around us here. So Lord, I, I pray for ongoing blessings and provision for Hope Mission, for Scott and his team as he's requested prayer for leading, would you grant him a spirit of wisdom and revelation, a a spirit of sensitivity to the ways that you are leading? Because although there are many needs, it is more important to see where you are leading them to meet needs. And so, Lord, would you bless them with that that sense of direction and calling and seeing you at work? Lord, would you grant them all the blessings and and provision that they need financially as well as volunteer-wise? Lord, I, I claim that scripture for them that That you tell your people, pray. the harvest is plentiful, so pray for the Lord to send workers. I pray to you, Lord, that you would send workers to these programs, that the harvest would come in, that people would meet Jesus, that relationships would be established, that would show and model a different way of life. That, that our lives, that their lives would be signposts pointing to Jesus all the time. And I pray that the stories that we have heard this morning would be multiplied over and over and over again. I thank you for the way that you have blessed the people within this organization with a heart for Jesus and to share that love with others around. So Lord, would you continue the good work that you, have do- you are doing among them and guide us in our own joint venture that your kingdom may go forward and that there may be um, more harvest and more fruit, more discipleship, more life in Christ because two different groups come together and say we serve the same God and we're here in the same place. So let's see what he does. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we come together here now to open scriptures and say, we want you to read us, Lord. Lord, as these scriptures are read, read us, expose us, awaken things in us, open our ears and our hearts to hear and to receive what you are saying and what you want to do. Would you guide us that that you would point out your truth and would you empower us to step into it? Lord, would you have your way among us? In Jesus' name, amen. Please, I hope you have a handout. I'm basically going to be preaching from the handout. Um, I'm going to be preaching from the scriptures as written on the handout, okay? So please do have those there. You'll notice that basically every point has a scripture verse beside it. I don't know if you know much about the Vineyard Movement. Um, they they started as an evangelical church. Um, I mean, basically birthed out of Fuller Seminary, which is an evangelical seminary. Um, John Wimber was the founding pastor of the, the vineyard movement movement, and they started out very evangelical in sort of the traditional ways. And the Lord started pouring out His spirit, and they started noticing spiritual gifts pop up that they hadn't seen before. And as they did that, I believe what John Wimber he noticed and then I believe he coined this phrase, though it, if he didn't, then he quoted it. But I believe he coined this phrase. He's, he noticed that when God started doing such things, Um, there were different reactions among his people, his congregants. And so he said, God will offend your mind to reveal your heart. God will offend your mind to reveal your heart. Look at Acts 2. You don't have to flip there. Just think about it. Acts 2. God pours out his spirit. People are speaking in tongues and prophesying. And what do some people in the crowd say? They're drunk. God will offend your mind to reveal your heart. We see this pattern happen in Jesus' ministry over and over and over again. God will do something powerful through Jesus, and someone will be offended, and that offense reveals something wrong inside. God will offend your mind to reveal your heart. We are going to continue the passage in John 5 this week, and we are going to see how some people get offended when Jesus heals, all right? So, first blank there, you see context. Jesus has offended the religious authorities. First point on your handout. Jesus has offended the religious authorities by healing on the Sabbath and by calling God his Father we'll get to the second part of that after we read the text. So would you go with me to John chapter 5? I'm going to read this passage. So I'm going to pick it up where we left off last week. So Jesus has healed a man. He couldn't walk for 38 years, and Jesus heals him. And the crowd, where we're going to pick it up, notices and doesn't like it. So Jesus meets this man back in the temple, and he says in verse um, 14, after this healing has taken place, he goes and finds the man he just healed, and he says, see that you've been made well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse can happen to you. And the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. He didn't know who had done it because Jesus had slipped away before Therefore, the Jews started persecuting Jesus because he was doing such things on the Sabbath. Jesus answered them, my father is still working, and I also am working. For this reason, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because he was not only breaking the Sabbath, but was also calling God his own father, thereby making himself equal to God. Now, Jesus responds to them, and the rest of our passage is going to be a response to people who are offended by what God has done. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing on his own, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. The Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and he will show him greater works than these, so that you will be astonished. Indeed, just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whomever he wishes. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, so that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, the hour is coming and is now here. It's happening in the dialogue. Please do pick that up. It's happening right in the very moment. The hour is coming and is now here when the dead, so who's the dead? Think about that when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For just as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself, and has given him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Do not be astonished at this, for the hour is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and will come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. In the next verse, notice that it is in the present tense. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, present tense, as I hear, as I interact with you people who are currently offended, as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek to do not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. We are going to come back to that verse because it is so crucial. If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There's another who testifies on my behalf, and I know that his testimony is true. You sent messengers to John, and he testified to the truth. Not that I accept such human testimony, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He, John, was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But I have a testimony that is greater than John's. The works that the Father has given me to complete, the very works that I am doing, testify on my behalf that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has testified on my behalf. You have never heard his voice or seen his form, and you do not have his word abiding in you because you do not believe him whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, but it's they that testify on my behalf. Yet you have refused to come to me to have life. I do not accept glory from humans, But I know that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me. If another comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe when you accept glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the one who alone is God? Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses on whom you have set your hope. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe what he wrote, how will you believe what I say? And Jesus concludes that interaction with the people who are offended. And we have to go piece together now. How does all of this hang together? And how is this a response to their offense? So this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So look at the second sentence in that first point. Jesus' response has one motivation. You see two blanks. Concern for his enemies. Look at verse 34. And think about this. These are people whom the text says wants to kill him. You see that in verses 17, 18, something like that. Jesus heals this man, claims that God is his father, does it on the Sabbath, offends them mightily, and they want to kill him. And look at verse 34, because that verse 34 gives you the motivation for everything Jesus says. I say this so that you may be saved. Do we engage with those who disagree with us with that same level of concern? Keep that in mind because Jesus is going to have a lot of criticism for the people who have been offended. You can have a good, um, you, you can offer constructive criticism to people out of love. It's not one or the other. Jesus has very difficult words that they need to hear, and he shares difficult words because he wants them to be saved. He wants them to start reacting properly. He's not trying to get out of it and, you know, save his life. He's, He's speaking in this way in order that their hearts may be changed. The first thing that he's going to do is explain to them why he healed this man. So, look at your next point. We're going to look at verses 17 and then 19 and 20. My father is still working, so I'm working. Jesus does what he does because he's paying attention to what the father is doing. And then he makes that point in verses 19 and 20. Jesus said to them, the son can't do anything by himself. He can do only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. And the father continues revealing what he is doing to the son. Verse 20 says, the reason Jesus healed this man in the temple is because he saw some form of activity of the father in this guy's life. How could he possibly have that kind of awareness? Awareness and imitation of the father come from complete surrender. Look at verse 30. Do you want to be someone more aware of what God is doing? Lay down absolutely everything. Look at verse 30. You want to know how Jesus knew what to do? He says, I make right decisions. My judgment is always just. I always make the right decision, Jesus says, because I do not seek my own will. I seek the will Of him who sent me. Do you want to be more aware of what God is doing? Do you want to be more aware of what God is doing in your life? Do you want to be more aware of what God is doing in the lives of others? Don't have your own agenda for them. Don't even have your own agenda for yourself. Lay everything down. The reason Jesus can make the right call every single time is because he's not making his own call. He is always seeking the Father's will. And this is, again, an example for us. Do we want to be more aware of what God is doing at Unity? Stop having an agenda for unity. I'm preaching to myself. Do you want to be more aware of what God is doing in your family? Stop having an agenda for your family. God, you've got to do this, and you've got to go about it this way. No. And I'm preaching to myself. I actually have a picture of myself right here. I'm preaching to myself. Look, it's my family picture. All right, I have a different reason for it, but I am preaching to myself here. I need to hear this. I've been on the hook with this all week long, but I'm preaching to myself. If we want to see God more at work, we lay down more and more of ourselves. Look at verse 30. I make the right call. I always make the right decision. I judge. That's what a judgment is. You make the right call. Because I don't seek what I want. I seek what the Father wants. And by seeking his agenda, Jesus gets revelations of what God's agenda is, which is why he knows that he has to do something with this man and not the other ones who were there at the pool because God wanted to do something specific with this guy, and Jesus would have missed it if he'd been looking for his own agenda. It comes from complete surrender, and I need to hear that. I'm going to say more about how I need to hear that in a little bit. Look at the next point there on your handout. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, their reaction puts them on Do you notice all of the language, trial language in this passage? You have a judge, you have witnesses, you even have an accuser, and you're going to have a whole lot of testimony. It's going to come in a moment. Jesus is evoking the image of a trial, and it's, his, it, and it's the people who are accusing him who have actually, therefore, put themselves on trial. Their reaction puts them on trial, verse 30, as you see, with the son as judge. I didn't put a verse reference for that, but it is in there, um, somewhere in the 20s. I'm not going to look for it now. With the son as judge, and there are three testimonies that come against the people who have come against Jesus. So Jesus calls the first witness. And the first testimony, testimony number one, is a prophet. Look at verses thirty-two to thirty-five. Jesus says, "If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true." But there's another who testifies on my behalf, and I know that his his testimony to me is true. And then he references John the Baptist. God sent a messenger ahead of Himself. He was a prophet. God sent. The prophet John to get the people ready. And John pointed to Jesus. And John was authenticated by God. His ministry was authenticated by God. He was a legitimate prophet. He came as Elijah right? That's why he wears camel's hair, leather belt. He's imitating Elijah. That's not an accident because Malachi 3 or 4, I can't remember which one it is, last book of the Hebrew scriptures, um, God himself is speaking. He says, I'm about to send Elijah. I'm about to send my messenger ahead of me who will prepare my way. And John comes to fulfill that. He is a prophet speaking on God's behalf, and he points to Jesus. So if these people are saying that are against Jesus for what he's doing, the very first reason that Jesus gives for why they need to go back and rethink that is because God sent a prophet. He sent John. You should have listened to John's testimony, Jesus says. Testimony number two. In their trial, the trial of the people who have have accused Jesus, Jesus says, no, you're on trial. I'm the judge, and here's testimony number two against you. Supernatural activities. Jesus says, in verse 36, I have a testimony that's even greater than John's the works that the Father has given me to complete, the very works that I am doing, they testify on my behalf that the Father has sent me. I healed this guy. That, is a, that should be a, a pointer to you people, he's saying, that God is at work here and that your assumptions and conclusions about me, Jesus, are incorrect. You need to go back and rethink this because there is supernatural activity happening here and it is testifying against you, not me, Jesus says. Two testimonies so far the prophet and the works that Jesus is doing, the supernatural activity that Jesus is doing. Testimony number three against them is the scriptures, verses 39 to 47. Jesus says, you search the scriptures, you think they have life, but they were pointing to me the whole time and you people are missing it. He says to the religious leaders, Moses himself will testify against you because Moses wrote about me. Deuteronomy 19, I think it is. Um, Moses says, um, there's a, God's going to raise up a prophet after me who's going to do what I do. But the whole scriptures themselves point to Jesus. And they're missing it because of their offense. Their heart is being revealed, and there are three things against them. The prophet, supernatural activities of Jesus, and the scriptures. If you connect the dots, they form an arrow, which is your next blank. If you connect the dots, they form an arrow. Signs point. Signs always point. That's why in, in, in John, the, the miracles are so often called signs, because they point to something. Signs point. If you connect the dots, they form an arrow. And these people should have connected to the dots between a prophet, supernatural activities, and the scriptures. If you connect those dots, they form an arrow. Signs point. My dear friends. We have the same dots here at Unity. We have the same dots here at Unity. We have people who are learning to prophesy and have been speaking about what God is doing. I'm coming to fill Unity you need to empty yourselves. This church is going to be a hospital church of healed healers. This church is going to lead this city in outreach and abundance will be given. Those are just three prophetic words that have been spoken over this congregation. Cigarette butt Sunday. (laughs) Remember that? Where God spoke to us about holiness the need to clean up stuff in our own lives to make room for him. He spoke to us about hope mission. We need to clean up ourselves so that we could be in a right relationship. He spoke to us about how he confirmed in that very message and moment, as some of you came up and prophesied without realizing it, that what God wanted to do was include prophetic stuff Within a worship service, we have had numerous confirmed prophetic words spoken over this congregation, in this congregation, by some of its congregants, as well as those outside. We have testimony. We have prophetic testimony here. We have supernatural activities happening. We have seen people healed. We have seen people delivered. We have seen supernatural gifts given, whether it's words of knowledge or tongues, healings, etc. We have seen that level of supernatural activity happen here. We have That's testimony number two. And we have the scriptures we have opened the scriptures over and over and over again to try to understand what God is doing here. As someone speaks prophetically or or as we encounter something that we have perhaps not been familiar with, such as the baptism of the Holy Spirit, as we have seen multiple people receive. We have had to go back to the scriptures over and over again to confirm what it is that God is saying and doing. We have the scriptures. And if we connect the dots they form an arrow but my dear 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 friends if we have seen supernatural activity or we have heard prophetic words if we have if you have if you have if you have seen people share testimonies up here of what God has been saying and doing as he has changed their lives, if you have noticed that the temperature has increased, if you have gone back, if you have heard the scriptures and noticed that they are confirming what God says and does, but our hearts do not react the way that Jesus wants them to react, we will find ourselves in the very same place as the people who are accusing Jesus and he puts them on trial. Every word spoken from God, every activity of God, especially if it is supernatural, every scripture that we recognize If it does not produce in us the reaction Jesus wants, if it produces fear, if it produces apathy, if it produces anything other than more love for God, we will find ourselves in the position of the same people here who wanted to kill Jesus. And we will receive the same words from him. My dear friends, don't go there. Don't go there. So look at your next point. As in John 5, the dots and the arrow are an invitation. Don't forget where we started that Jesus says, I say these things to you so that you may have life. They are an invitation to Jesus, and they are an an invitation or an indication of the ways that he wants to work here. Next blank. This isn't random stuff. It's the scriptures. It is the ministry of Jesus, and what Jesus does as he makes himself known is there's a dividing that happens. And we must either choose to follow Jesus, and whatever it is that he says, whatever it is that he's doing, whatever it is that he's blessing, whatever it is that he's saying, we we have to go there. But if we don't, the division happens, and it will, as you see in the next blank, it will become a sign of judgment against us if what Jesus says and does here among us now evoke contrary reactions because those contrary reactions ultimately point to a lack of surrender. So let's ask ourselves. When the people who are in the temple, when they see this man stand up, Jesus heals this guy. They see him stand up. They notice that he's carrying his mat. What should their reaction have been? Praise and worship. Hallelujah. Look at what God just did. What else should their reaction have been? Amazement, yes. What should their reaction have been to Jesus? Praise for him, curiosity. How about, I will follow you wherever you need to go. I, you, you did this, I'm now yours. Complete surrender, discipleship, joining Jesus as he continued in his ministry. He should have had a boatload of Pharisees and Sadducees and religious leaders, priests, and Levites at the very, very front of all of his followers. He should have gained disciples that day who enthusiastically would say, we will, we will follow you. We, we, we've seen God. We've heard God. We see, we've heard your prophets. We've seen your scriptures. We've seen what you've done. We're all in. It's that kind of invitation that is on offer to the crowd at all times because Jesus is offering them life. There's life on offer. They should have grabbed it. Look how good this God is. Look what he did for this guy. That's what's on offer. As you have examined, as you have heard about the things that God has said and done as you reflect on them in the last couple of years of what God has said and done here, what are the reactions that have come out in you? Because we all need to check ourselves. Ben too, and I'm going to say more about that in just a moment. For where our reactions to what God has said and done and is doing and inviting us to more, where we have said, I'm not sure I can go there, where, where something has been offered, and we said, thanks. Because these things, those reactions—whether it's fear, whether it's apathy, whether it's simple confusion—and it becomes paralyzing, and we're just like we don't know what to do, so we'll just continue to observe, without, without um, finding a way to work through that and entering into more. Um, if we don't, if we don't deal with all the things in us that are contrary. Um, we will find ourselves in the same position as those who at some point say, Jesus, you went too far. I don't want that in me. So as I say here, what should the religious leaders have done? It's not their next steps. It's what are, what are our next steps? Has a fear been identified in me that I need to deal with? And I need some help with that. It, uh, is that sometimes there are questions that block people and confusion. But if it's just left there, it will become something that becomes a barrier. We, we must deal with these. I'm preaching to myself. A couple of weeks ago, Um, on the inquiring of the Lord. So a Thursday night prayer meeting here, um, online on Zoom. Most of the time is spent listening. What we do is we ask the Lord to speak and we take time to let him answer. A couple of weeks ago, two people heard the same verse independently. I didn't read the verse. I didn't set it up in any way whatsoever. Two people heard, be alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in your faith. God spoke the same thing to two different people at the same time. Do you think we probably need to hear that? Like, it sounds like maybe there's a little bit of an exclamation point at the end of this, like, be alert. So the following week, what we did in our our inquiring of the Lord time is we continued that. It's always good to continue the conversation that God starts, right? So we said, Lord, you identified this for us. What more would you like to say? How would you like us to be alert? What do we need to be alert to? Because the devil comes in many forms, right? Help us, Lord. At the end of that inquiring time, I thought I had heard Daniel 2. During our our time, I thought I heard that, so I went back and read the passage. In Daniel 2, what happens? Is God gives Nebuchadnezzar a dream, King Nebuchadnezzar, and it's Daniel's job to provide the interpretation. Okay, it's at the highest possible level of this this story here. God sends a message through one person, namely Nebuchadnezzar, and he sends an interpretation through someone else. Okay, so I shared that and just say. I think what I heard is Daniel, Daniel 2, something about God sending a message and interpretation. And then Joel spoke up. So Joel, would you mind coming up and and sharing what you heard during that time? Just use this one, if that's okay, Richard.
2: So I thought I... I had seen something, but I, I wasn't going to share it. Um, but then Ben shared the interpretation, which, um, so I decided to share what I thought I had seen, uh, which is I just saw a picture of this church right now. And I felt like the Lord was saying to me that He wanted to give our church a very personal, intimate message and and I saw just somebody come up somebody speak a word in tongues which nobody understood and then somebody stood up and gave an interpretation of what the Lord was saying through that tongue and we all wept but as I was sharing that with the group, when I had seen it, and the Lord had shown me that, I said, Lord, we are so far away from you. we are so far away from being open to hearing from you in that way. But as I was sharing that with the people on the prayer, The Lord revealed my heart. And it was was my heart that was so far away. That even though I'm pursuing these things. I'm reading books about churches who've done it. I'm hanging around with people who do it. Even though I'm pursuing these things. My heart was so far away from being the one who would be tapped, if the Holy Spirit tapped me to come up here and speak in tongues, or if the Holy Spirit tapped me to stand up and interpret that tongue, how far away my heart was from surrender to being obedient to that. And I, and I just wept there on the call because I, I realized that my own heart is not fully surrendered to stepping outside my comfort zone to directly hear from the Lord.
0: After Joel shared that, I heard it, and I heard the Lord through it, because I'm the gatekeeper to anyone coming up and grabbing a microphone, and I'm not sure I would have given the green light to say, yeah, you can go up there and speak in tongues. My heart was revealed that I still lacked surrender to something that is completely biblical. You can point to chapter and verse. And I, my reaction to the Lord, in spite of being able to point to chapter and verse, was to say, no, God, I don't think I don't think we're going to do that. I too lack surrender and need to be more fully surrendered to the Lord. What about you as you've heard that? What's your reaction even as we talk about tongues? Were you worried that he was going to speak in tongues? What's your reaction? Because it reveals where our hearts are at. And if you would have celebrated, then bless you. You have some surrender there that I need to to reach for still. God will identify other areas probably, but the point is supernatural activity reveals hearts. And they specifically reveal the places where we are not yet fully surrendered and we need to be. If we are going to say, this is your church, Lord, we give you the keys, it means to things like this, that we may not become people who are in the same position of the people in this scripture who reacted poorly to Jesus. So I'm preaching to myself. And I am inviting us to continue the walk with the Lord and say, Lord, please put Please put your finger on it. Please identify in me and in us where we must deal with the fear, deal with the contrary reaction to what you are saying or what you want to do. Because I don't want to be on trial like them. And I also don't want to miss the invitation. It is always an invitation to life. And some of you, as it evokes fear, it is a fear that comes from the enemy to prevent you from getting life. God does not produce that fear. God does not produce that anxiety. God does not produce that worry. What he produces is faith and hope and love and trust. It's an invitation to life with Jesus, but the enemy puts things in the way. Be alert. I had to be alert. We closed our inquiring of the Lord call. Just after eight, got my boys a snack, got them into bed. Before bedtime, we read our action Bible. You want to know what the passage that just the next one we came to in our action Bible reading as we read through the Bible? Daniel 2. God confirmed, He bracketed that word that Joel said about. God gives a message, and God gives interpretation, and he bracketed it with Daniel 2 to confirm this was from him. God wants to do more of this. How fully surrendered will we be that we might let him do all that he wants to do here among us? Let's pray. Dear Lord, anything that is of me that has come out this morning, will you please remove it from my friends? All that is from you, would you plant it deep down in good soil? And would you show us how to nurture and steward what you are saying and doing that we might continue to to lean in for more of you and empty ourselves? Would you show us all this week, me first, how to empty ourselves? that we might give you more, that you might increase as we decrease, and even more so. Lord, we love you. May, May every act of surrender be an act of love. Lord, thank you for the ways that you are speaking and working here. Thank you for the invitation to life. Thank you that you do not give up on us, though we are stubborn and though I am slow and often blind to the areas where you want to work. Lord, would you have your way in us? Because we want more of you. Have your way here. In Jesus' name,
2: amen. Let's continue in worship. May the Lord bless
0: you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you as you learn and are led to react in all the ways that he wants to what he's doing. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace that displaces fear and anxiety he give you more of himself till there are encounters with, with him, where he becomes your healer, your savior, and your friend. Amen. Uh, I believe the Lord is saying that there's someone here who has a knee problem that would like prayer or could come get prayer, as well as a heart problem. I don't know if that's the same person or someone different. Um th- I'd also like to pray for Kevin. So maybe we could, um, those who want to, could gather around you. You two are one, so we may lay hands on you. Okay. We will bless what the Lord has done and give thanks. Go in peace, my friends. Thanks for being here. Thank you.